All right, good morning again. Well, we're kind of packed in on this Mother's Day, but there's a whole row right here open. So um, I promise I showered recently. Um, now, I, I distinctively remember, distinctly, distinctly remember, when I was a teenager, I don't remember exactly how old, but I remember laying there one night, looking at the stars, and just kind of thinking of the universe, right? Thinking about God creating it all, uh, looking at the moon, looking for shooting stars, you know how you do. Uh, and I remember this thought, like this is all so vast, almost eternal, but it's not. God created it all. He spoke, but when did he do it? So, so God has always existed, but when in his existence did he speak and create all of this? Well, if he created time, then that question doesn't even make sense. And what was he doing before he made it? But, right? And I mean, I had all these things going through, and then I had this, this doubt. Everything I have ever known, right, has a cause, but God has no cause. Natural law, all this stuff, cause and effect, but God had no cause. He always was, but then he's also personal, and then he could take on flesh and die. And then I had this, this twinge of, I don't understand an eternal being, God, that's also, I don't understand, I don't get it, maybe it's not true. So I had this doubt, and then I had this other twinge at the same time of guilt. Oh, God, is, are you real? Is that true? Oh, now I'm guilt, I feel guilty for doubting you. Anybody else have things like that? Right? right? We, okay, thanks, Jose. Right, I mean, we read the Bible, we see Jesus is the only way. Well, what about those who never hear the gospel? Ooh, right, or, or. Jesus promised to come back. It's been 2,000 years. Where is he? Are, are we wrong? Oh, you know, or life is hard, right? My, my marriage is hard. I, I'm following you, God, um, but my kids are, are wandering away. God, are you real? Am I doing something right? right? Doubts. What do we do with doubts? We're, this is last week in our series of religion and the kingdom. They're not the same thing, Right? So what do we do with doubts? What does God do with our doubts compared to what religion might do with our doubts? What does Jesus do with our doubts? Grab your Bible. If you don't have one, there's one in the cage in front of you. Uh, grab that, and that's a gift to you if you don't own a Bible. And turn to page 905. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. Page 905, right about here. Uh, if you're new to the Bible or, or not so new, but you don't know where everything is, that's okay. There's a table of contents, and I recommend using it. Um, but we're going to be in, in Matthew, and we're going to be looking at a character today. His name is John. Now, it seems like there's lots of Johns, but we're looking at John the Baptist. This is not John the Apostle, right? Uh, John the Apostle wrote the Gospel of John, uh, wrote some other books, wrote the book of Revelation. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, was the forerunner, came before Jesus. Uh, he was the one predicted in the Old Testament that would come before the Messiah. John is a unique character. He really is kind of a, a giant in the faith. Uh, it's kind of cool on this Mother's Day to look at the mother. So, right, we have Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, who was a faithful uh, young woman, probably a teenager. She had a relative. We don't know what the relation was exactly. Her relative, Elizabeth, was older. Uh, she was barren. She had not had any children. Uh, and she and her husband committed to God that if they had a child, they would give it to him. And so she got pregnant with John, who would be known later as John the Baptist. And there's kind of a neat story at one point where Mary vis visits Elizabeth, right? And Mary walks in, and when Mary walks in with Elizabeth, John, in her womb, leaps. 
I mean, I, mean, I don't know how that works, but, but starts moving around, right? So John the Baptist, just in the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb, like something's happening there, kind of cool. And Elizabeth says, I am so honored to, to be with the mother of my Lord. So Elizabeth knew who Mary's son was, right? The, the, her Lord, M Messiah coming. So John is unique. He, he grew up, he was given to God. Uh, he grew up and eventually he kind of went out in the wilderness and was a prophet. Uh, he was kind of one of those crazy guys out there, you know, wearing camel fur and eating locusts and, and preaching repentance. So he was really a, a, an anti-religion type of character. The religious leaders weren't crazy about John because he's out there saying, religion isn't enough. You need to actually follow God. Repent of your sin. Sin is the problem. And so he's preparing the way for Jesus. This is John the Baptist. Uh, if anyone was, was really secure in the kingdom, it was John, right? Uh, John baptized Jesus. And I don't understand all of this. I, I look forward, you know, later maybe to talk to John in the new kingdom of, of like, what happened? Because when Jesus came to get baptized, uh, John was told, you will see a dove descend on the one, you know, that is the Messiah. And so it, it, did John not know who Jesus was before? And then he said, I don't know. Uh, but Jesus came to John and said, baptize me. And he's like, what? <laughs> you should baptize me. And said, no, this is the Father's plan, baptize me. So he baptizes Jesus. This is John. He's a pretty cool guy. But John is going to have some doubts. So look at Matthew 11, if you would. We're going to start with verses 1 through 3. It says, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So where is John? This is John the Baptist. Remember, he had been very faithful, very faithful, out preaching, baptizing. Now he's in prison. Uh, John had made the mistake, right? Herod had taken his, his brother's wife, and John had spoken against that. Like, it's not right for you to take your brother's wife. I mean, just simple as that. He's like, I don't like you saying that. You're in prison. Later, John will be beheaded. He won't get out of prison. So he's in prison. Now, John had had disciples. Uh, it's kind of neat looking at the stories that, that John, with his disciples, at one point, he sees Jesus coming after he baptized him. He says, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. So he's kind of like, hey, disciples, you should stop following me. You should go follow him. So some of Jesus' first disciples had been John's, and they switched over, rightly so. But here, this is a little bit later. John is in prison, uh, and he sends his disciples to ask Jesus a question. Are you the one, or should we wait for another? That's weird, right? His mother, Elizabeth, knew who Jesus was. He saw the dove. He baptized, like, and after he baptized Jesus, a voice came from heaven, right? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Right? So why doesn't he understand? What is this doubt? But he has a doubt. It looks like John has a little bit of prosperity gospel in him, right? He'd been serving God. He'd been doing well, and he's in prison, and he's going to die. He's going to be beheaded. So there's something wrong with that picture. He had this idea of the Messiah who would be king, which Jesus is king and will be physically king, but he thought when the Messiah came, there would be him as king rewarding the faithful, punishing the unfaithful, right? Setting up this justice, and that's not happening. What's happening to John is not just, is not fair. So he has this, this doubt. But how does Jesus respond? Uh, look, if you would, at verse 4. Actually, this is in your notes first. <laughs> John had doubts. 
because Jesus was not living up to his expectations. John had doubts because Jesus was not living up to his expectations. Now look at Jesus' response. Verse 4, And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. It's kind of a weird answer, <laughs> right? If you sent your friends to ask that question and you got this back, how would you feel? Jesus, just how about a, a yes or no? That'd be good. But he doesn't give a yes or no, right? He, he gives an explanation here, but it's not just a yes or no. What do you do with your doubts, R- right? Do you have doubts? What do we do with our doubts? John's problem was that Jesus wasn't living up to his expectations. Does Jesus live up to your expectations? Honestly, you feel like you're doing well, right? You feel like you're trying to be faithful, and then somebody in your family or you is diagnosed with cancer or something else. You're doing the best you can as a parent, right? You're praying, and then your kid starts wandering away, and you start maybe doubting that God is faithful, that God is there. Your marriage is struggling, but yet you're trying all you can to follow God, to do things his way. And, and it brings in this, this doubt. Even John had these doubts. And John here sends to ask. In God's kingdom, he can handle our doubts. Bring them to Jesus. John did. Again, I would have preferred just a yes or no. But what does Jesus do? He actually quotes the prophet Isaiah. Um, and I, I look through these verses in Isaiah, and they're kind of all over the place, right? Isaiah would predict the Messiah would come, and when he did, he would preach good news to the poor. You would know it's the Messiah because there would be healings, right? People would be risen from the dead. Jesus raised people from the dead, Lazarus, right? So all these miracles are happening in fulfillment of what Isaiah promised. So what does Jesus do? He says, John, remember the scriptures, Right? And look at, right, so compare what you see in, my, in me with scriptures. I don't need to give you a yes or no. You know the right answer. True faith is never based on seeing, but on believing God's word. Right? So he points to the scriptures. John knew. John was the fulfillment himself of some of these Old Testament prophecies. And he says, you know, just look at what's happening. And in verse 6, I like verse 6. It's an encouragement and and kind of a little bit of a rebuke to John, right? Verse 6, he says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. It's as if he's saying, don't be offended when I don't fit your expectations, right? You expect certain things. Don't be offended when I'm not what you think. How often do you hear people say, my God wouldn't do that, right? Or my God, the God I believe is, is this. Well, we don't get to define who God is. God is God. And so whatever he is, as we get to know him, we change. He doesn't. You know, I don't believe that in a God that would send people to hell. Well, then you've got to understand the scriptures. There is one way, and it's Jesus alone. I would say God doesn't send people to hell. People choose it, right? It, so it's, there's these things. We don't get to define God. He defines himself. So we've been talking about the kingdom, and you remember our first week, you know, blessed, right? Blessed, happy. Who is the person that's blessed? It's the person in the kingdom. 
And this blessed person here is the person who's not offended by Jesus, meaning it let, you let Jesus be who he is and submit to that. This is actually from our first week, but the blessed person experiences joy that comes from participation in God's kingdom and submitting to Jesus' way of doing things, right? It's so applicable still, that idea that we're submitted to him as king and go his way, even when we don't understand. I mean, this is really what it comes down to. God, I don't understand, but I trust you. I've gotten to, to fill in some at Sierra Lutheran with some of the, the classes. Uh, and recently when I filled in as a substitute teacher, this was kind of one of our things. What do you do with doubt? Some of the questions, and some of the kids were great. They're like, yeah, we want to know. And some of it comes down to, I don't know, but do I trust God as good, right? What happens to kids who die before they get to choose God, right? I mean, in, it's tradition in the church to go, oh, any kid who dies goes to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. It doesn't. So what do we do with that? I trust God's goodness. I don't have the answer, and I don't need it because I know God is good, and I can trust the scriptures, and he is faithful. So what do we do with these? Do we trust God? What does religion do with our doubts? You know, this series, we're, you know, we're trying to compare religion with the kingdom. What does religion do with doubts? Typically, there's no room for doubt in religion or, or in tradition. Maybe you grew up in that kind of church where it's like, hey, don't, no, don't doubt. Don't question, just have faith. You know, this idea of blind faith. Just believe, just believe. And every religion out there, really, except for true biblical Christianity, really is pretty strong on don't look into it. You know, I don't know if you've had any Mormon friends. I've had Mormon friends and had these conversations. Hey, read this book. Nope, my church won't let me read that book, right? Islam, why do they outlaw the Bible? Because it's true. Because if you get to, you start reading scripture, you get into it, it's true. And so they have to set these boundaries up. No, we don't want to lose you in the faith. And so don't test it. Don't look into it. And again, we can do this in the church as well. Just believe, parents. We just tell her, just believe. Blind faith. Well, guess what? We don't have to have blind faith. It's reasonable. Religion is not gracious or patient with doubt. I read a book uh, when I was young. It said, love the Lord your God with all your mind. And it really made a difference in my life. It was kind of a deep book, but one of those, uh, use our mind, you know, think. Why do we believe what we believe? Christianity, true biblical faith is reasonable. Now there's some, I mean, if we want to get our mind around all of it, we're not going to, right? There's just some things we can't understand. You know, in the Old Testament, we see as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, says the Lord, and my thoughts above your thoughts. We have to be okay with that, but it's reasonable. When you start looking into faith, when I graduated college, uh, I did an experiment kind of. I said, I'm going to not believe Christian. I'm not going not gonna to believe the Bible, whatever, and I couldn't because I love Jesus, but I, and I didn't do that to run after sin. It was just I'm going to consider the others. And so I, I read a lot of books that year. And as I did that, more and more, it's like, my goodness, so clearly the Bible's true. The truth of Jesus is, is the only reasonable faith out there. And so it's okay to doubt. It's okay to pursue answers to that doubt. Again, religion is not gracious or patient with doubt. Parents, what do you do when your kids have questions? What do you do when your kids have doubt? Let me tell you this, encourage it, <laughs> right? Encourage your kids to doubt and then pursue the answers. The worst thing we can do is say, oh, just believe it's true, right? If our kids learn, I can't bring up questions, 
that's not great parenting. So some of us starting new, Genevieve and Kyle, you'll never mess this up because you're hearing it right now, <laughs> right? As grace grows, let them doubt. Hopefully our kids come to us with those doubts. Maybe sometimes it's good to play devil's advocate and play some of those doubts so that when they leave our home, they've gone through some of this thinking about it. So when they encounter it in life, which they will, they know how to answer. They know how to think. God's kingdom teaches us how to think. Religion only teaches us what to think. Right? Love God with all our mind. It's okay to doubt if we take our doubt to Christ and pursue truth. Doubt can be very, very good. How about that? Maybe you should doubt more. What do I mean by that? There's so many things going through the church right now, conspiracy theories and all this stuff. Don't just believe everything you hear. Doubt is good. Somebody says the vaccine is the mark of the beast. You should doubt that. And then go to scripture to find the truth. It absolutely can't be. It, right? So don't believe modern day prophets. Oh, you know, this is going to happen. You should doubt anything a modern day prophet says. Uh, or, I mean, just go down the list. Doubt, but then pursue truth. And that's really the key here. Doubt, but seek truth. I think that's the nugget we see here. What is John here? He has some doubt, but what does he do? He goes straight to Jesus with it. He sends his disciples to ask him. He doesn't use that doubt as an excuse to walk away or walk to sin. He pursues truth so often. People have doubt, but it's not real doubt. It's just an excuse to go their own way. Maybe you've done that. We're not going to have a show of hands, right? But we can do that. I'm going to choose not to believe. I'm going to choose to doubt because what I really want to do is go sin because if this is true, that means there's a God and I have to go his way. But what about religion? Again, why does religion kind of shut down the doubt and the questions? Often religion wants power, right? Religion wants control, right? And modern churches can be that way. I mean, absolutely. I've seen many church leadership, board, whatever, sin happens and they just want to cover it up because they don't want to lose people, they don't want to lose money, whatever. Religion tries to reserve, why did the Catholic church, why was it so against the Bible being translated into the normal language? Because they would lose control. Maybe you've heard of John Wycliffe. He translated the first, Bible, the, the first English translation of the Bible. Well, the problem with that was then, according to him, the boy behind the plow could know as much as the priest. Well, that's a problem. Because the priest that gets to tell you everything, and you just do what I tell you, they have the power, they have the control, right? Uh, the person that died, just bring us your money, and we'll pray for them, and they'll go out of purgatory into heaven. Well, they get the Bible, they start reading, there's no purgatory. What? <laughs> you, you just want our money on this power. So, uh, and John Wycliffe, if you know his story, he was burned. He died, and they exhumed his body and burned it. That's religion. Again, religion is about itself. The kingdom really is about Jesus, and it's okay with the questions. It's okay testing and then pursuing answers. Let's look at verse, uh, where are we? <laughs> verse 7. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you see? Or what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face 
who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's a glowing account, right? I mean, Jesus looks at John and goes, there's nobody better than him. And he had doubts. He truly was a prophet, really the last of the Old Testament prophets. John never got to experience the new covenant kingdom experience that we get to have. That's why he's saying he who is in the less, least in the kingdom is greater than John. We get to enjoy some benefits. John never did. John never enjoyed the new covenant promises. Now, he's absolutely part of the kingdom. When we get to heaven, he's going to be there. He's going to be part of it. This is such a glowing thing. John sends his doubts, and Jesus immediately pumps him up. I love that the Bible doesn't give our examples as, as perfect people. I love as we read through the Bible, it's like, wow, they're broken, they're broken, they're broken, and God used them, and God loved them. Again, John is one of those. John is the last of the Old Testament prophets and the greatest of all of them. But again, I think our point in there is he had doubts too. Now, what about us? Now, Jesus, he gives this glowing account of John, and then he turns to the crowd, and he speaks to them. Look at verse 16. But what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. I'll be honest. Through most of my life, when I read those verses, I just skip over. I'm like, bah, that's weird. <laughs> right? I mean, maybe you're like that. I, I just don't get it. And so I'll just move on to the next one. That's easy to understand. Here's what this means. You ever have a kid who wants to be in charge? <laughs> we, we were actually talking about this yesterday. Elise used to have a, a little badge that said, I'm the boss. Um, and we were remembering that she would put it on and she'd walk around. I'm the boss. And there was a moment where we said, you know, just because you're wearing the badge doesn't mean you're the boss. What? I thought, you, I thought I'm in charge of the house when I'm waiting. No, you're not. You know, or last week I had a six-year-old on my shoulders grabbing my ears. If I go this way, you go this way, or I can make you go faster. Love the control, right? He's got me going in a circle. <laughs> kids want control. That's kind of this picture of these kids going, hey, we're going to play a flute and you, you do what we want. We're going to play this and, and you do what we want. Wanting to be in control. It's that same idea. This, that generation and every generation since looks at God and says, do what we want. Do things our way. The unfaithful reject Jesus because he does not conform to their expectations or do what they want. Right? People who reject him, they look at this. They look at God and go, I want you to be different or I want to go my own way. That's what these children, we want to be in charge. Who's the authority in a kingdom? The, the king, right? And, and Jesus points John back to the scriptures. This, this is our authority. And so when we have doubts, we run to him, we look at scripture. Now, again, the unfaithful will reject Jesus because he doesn't conform to their expectations. But what does John do? John doubts, but he approaches Jesus with hope. I mean, simply, he doubts, but he goes to Jesus and he asks. Look at verse 18 and 19. 
It says, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. These people doubt, but their doubt really is more like skepticism. So they look at John and they're like, nah, we don't like that way. They look at Jesus, both following God, both faithful, but doing it differently. Like, yeah, we don't like that way either. Right? I mean, this is the idea of the skeptic. This is the person who's never going to be convinced. I just want to go my own way. Actually, no, no, no. Eh, no, no. I want to go my own way. How often have you encountered somebody, or maybe you've done this, where you want something to be true, so you just go to the people who are going to support what you want to be true, you, you might even know what the Bible says, but I don't really want that. I'm going to go get these four people who are just going to confirm what I already want. You know, right here, that's some of this right here. You know, these people coming together, we, we want to reject God and go our own way. Again, this is skepticism. There's a big difference. I've seen this so many times. Do we really doubt or do we really just want to go our own way? True humility here, again, is thinking with our mind is doubt is okay. But then we pursue answers. We pursue truth. Jesus, the Bible, is the most reasonable thing out there. I mean, what is the most popular current idea about creation? Evolution, right? But you trace that back, and you get to the beginning, right? All of natural law says cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. Okay, what was the first cause? No, 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 there wasn't one, right? I mean, you look it up, and they'll even put in there, there was nothing, and then the nothing exploded. Okay, that's not reasonable. It's actually more reasonable to believe there's an eternal being who spoke, and it was probably loud, bang, right? I mean, spoke and created. It is reasonable to believe. In God's kingdom, the faithful will bring their doubts to Jesus with hope, humility, and a teachable spirit rather than skepticism. You know, that's why I wanted to look at this passage today. You know, it's great for Mother's Day, looking at our kids, encourage doubt. Help them seek the truth and learn how to think. God can handle our doubts. God is not needy. God is not worried about losing us. God loves us and will pursue us. So take your doubts. Let's be a safe place, honestly, a safe place to ask the questions. You know, I've heard that actually pretty frequently in this church. You know, people come and they start getting involved and they're like, you know what I love is I can ask questions and express my doubt and get grace and love and talk through it. That's who we should be. Not, let's all just pretend that we're all, you know, at this level and we all understand what Nobody's at this level. I mean, if I've learned anything in my Christian life growing up, whenever we put somebody on a pedestal, eventually God's going to knock them off the pedestal, right? We're all on the grow. We're all going. And so it's okay. I have a question about this. What's the Bible say? Let's pursue. But then we pursue for truth. We pursue with a teachable spirit, right? Not with an excuse to sin. And young people in here, let me talk to you real quick. This is true, but it's okay for you to ask questions. But don't use it as an excuse to make mistakes. Now you'll regret the rest of your life. I mean, (laughs) how many parents right now are going to go, yes, please, right? You can use it as an excuse. Your doubts as an excuse. Mistakes you'll, you'll never get over, right? Or that'll be with you the rest of your life. Instead, pursue with a teachable spirit, humble, and God will bless. In the kingdom, there's blessing. Let's pray. God, we love you. Um, I, I thank you that you give John as an example here. Uh, John, who you say is, is the best ever, um, and he doubted. He, he struggled. Guys, as we look through, we see David, a giant of the faith, who doubted, 
who struggled, who stumbled. God, thank you that, that you give us grace and mercy. Uh, you don't expect us to be perfect, that you'll show up and you'll give us answers. I, I pray for everybody in this room and those watching online that you would give us a teachable spirit. God, if there are kids in here who have doubts, or adults, anybody, God, give us people we can express those doubts to and pursue truth together. God, uh, we love you. We want to go your way. Uh, we thank you that you are reasonable, that you make sense, that you are the best answer out there. God, give us the diligence to pursue those answers. And Holy Spirit, we ask for your insight to understand the truth. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.